We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? Did that? We're about, one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. The 23 college basketball campaign tipping off. We bring you the best of the rest. And in the best of the rest here on the Field of 68 over the next hour, we could feature a team. That could very well cut down the nets in Houston in April. Could it be a home team? We'll get to that and more. I'm John Fanta, your host. We're joined by the founder of the Field of 68, Rob Douster. We're joined by Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney. And we are joined by the newest member of our Field of 68 family, the coach. He's former coach at UMass, Chad Nuga. He's got the Florida roots. I want a Billy Donovan story tonight like I need. (laughs) Is with us and Matt, I'm told that you have an LL Bean sweater that's the same size as this one somewhere in your closet. I think it's up in the attic now that I'm back down in Florida here. So uh that will have to be dug out somewhere deep in the attic. But I think I bought that same one at the LL Bean up in Hadley Mass. All right. I like it. We'll get that out at some point. I know Sweeney can appreciate an LL Bean quarter zip as well. Meanwhile, Bobby D has pulled out one of the best shirts in Field of 68. In the closet of Field of 68, right? Pull out. Yes. Pull out your Torvik, Field of 68.shop. You can get all of our merch there. We unfortunately do not have uh, any L.L. Bean quarter zips, uh, but I will say this. You you don't out yourself as a New Englander quite like wearing an L.L. Bean quarter zip. That's how everybody knows what part of the it's country you're doing. As it's soon as must. you put one of those on. That's exactly and look, Fanta, right. can I just can I just say, Fanta, hearing you intro this, this podcast by saying, we are five days away in that voice just got me so juiced up man i am so ready can, can college basketball be here already i'm sick of talking about predictions and all that let's let's just watch the ball man i'm ready for it while some media insiders are on vacation we are working <laughs> i wonder who that is yeah, who is that matt mccall what's the breaking news is it is it goodman that's on vacation again is that who it is that would be right he's on a boat somewhere okay. Okay. Off. my okay. god okay Just making sure. I I thought that's who it was. Let's get to the storylines tonight. Folks, if you're looking for that big future bet, we are presented by Bet Rivers. 
we're going to present to you Cinderella's. So stay with us here. Oral Roberts two years ago, St. Peter's last year. Somebody's got that glass slipper. We'll try to predict that for you later on. But we begin tonight in our best of the rest with the two teams that are outside of those power six conferences that are in the top three of the country. The Houston Cougars are the first-ranked team in the field of 68, Almanac, top 25 poll. The Gonzaga Bulldogs are right there as well, a contender for that top spot, ranked second in the country. So, gentlemen, I'll start with you tonight, Rob. Gonzaga or Houston, who do you side with more heading into the season? I would just like to say for the record that this is like trying to pick your favorite flavor of ice cream. You don't really have a, a bad option, uh, but I, I would probably tend to lean towards Houston for a couple of reasons. One, you know what you're going to get defensively from them, right? You know that you're going to get worn down. You know, it's the kind of defense where refs aren't going to be able to call a foul on every single possession. So you're going to have to be in a physical battle and in, in, in a fist fight. Um, I think that they are a little bit more talented and I think that their guards are more proven for my money. And I would love to hear you guys' opinion on this. I think Marcus Sasser is uh, not only the best guard in the country, but the best point guard in the country. And to me, if you look back at all of these teams that have won national titles over the course of the last 12, 13, 14 years, they all have something in common. Great point guard play. Uh, and to me, it doesn't get better in the country this season than Marcus Sasser. So I'm going to lean towards Houston, but it's, it's, it's hard, man. These are both really good teams. It's, I mean, I, I don't think you can go wrong in picking either one, right? I, I think the question mark, you know, even with Houston. Now, talk about last year, okay? Top 10 offensive team in the country, top 10 defensive team in the country. And you look at what Kelvin Sampson's done over his last four years, 32-6, and 28-4, and 23-8 and in a pandemic year, 33-4. and four. So the sustained level of success and the culture that he's b- built there in Houston – it's hard to put Gonzaga above them, but I kind of agree with you. I think there's a wild card, though, for Gonzaga, and I don't think he's being talked about enough. Malachi Smith, the transfer from Chattanooga, he was SOCON player of the year. He averaged 20 points a game. I think he was 23rd or 4th in the country in scoring. He's proven he can do it. So I think he's a little bit of a wild card, and it's you've got two future Hall of Famers. I, I, it's hard to pick which coach you give the nod to, but – you know, no, we're going to put you on the spot, Matt. Who's who's the better coach, Mark Few, Kelvin Sampson? Well, do, you want, do you want me to get on my Mark Few soapbox right now for a second? Is we'll that, save is that. that we'll you, save that. Okay, you're going to save that for a second. I, I, I'm going to give the nod to Gonzaga. Uh, the only reason I'm going to give the nod to Gonzaga is, obviously, Sasser, I think he's terrific. He played 12 games. Where is he at health-wise? Traymond Mark, he only played seven. They're going to have to rely on some freshmen early here, right? I think in terms of Gonzaga, and you look, Timmy's back. He's back. He's back for his, like, eighth year of college. He's one of the older players in the country. He's won a ton of games. He's won championships. He's won games in the inside. I I would be interested to know, has he played in more games than anybody in college basketball? So because Timmy's back, i got to give the nod to the Zags. He still has a COVID year that he could use. So if this isn't enough games, we can get one more year out of him. (laughs) Well, here's the other thing, too. I think Mark Few's got their attention right now, right? They go, they played Tennessee in a, in a, in a game that, that they didn't play great in. I think Tennessee made 14 threes in the game to Gonzaga only made seven. That was the difference in the game. If you look at the box score, you know, there wasn't many other statistics that stood out other than the three-point line. And he's got their attention. And going into the season, there's nothing better than having your team's attention as a coach. Weenie, where do you side? 
It's so hard. I think one of the things that's cool about this matchup on paper and it's matchup I hope we get at some point in the tournament is that these teams operate so differently to have success, right? Like Houston, you think, oh my gosh, how physical they're going to be, how they're going to dominate you on the glass. They're going to bully you off the floor. And Gonzaga is going to kill you with skill, right? They're going to space you out. They've got all these shooters. And then all of a sudden Drew Timmy is going to, you know, beat you in a wider variety of moves on the block. And I think that's what makes it so fun to watch. I thought the one thing I noticed with Gonzaga, and I, I, I'm siding Gonzaga over Houston, the one thing that I noticed when they played Tennessee was none of their guards stood out as elite yet. And they could get there, right? Your, Malachi Smith's first game at, at the highest level playing for a guy like Mark Few. Brought him off Nolan the bench. Yeah. Yes, brought him off the bench. Nolan Hickman's still a sophomore, still learning. Right? I think Nolan Hickman will improve as the season went on. But Nolan Hickman did not look like a elite point guard in that game. And for Gonzaga to be better than Houston, he needs to be that, I think. Because when you think about the teams that have been Gonzaga's best, they've gotten really high-level point guard play to go with that center. I think they have some stuff to work out defensively. I think Houston today might be the better team, but I think on March 15th, when, when we're ready to go for the NCAA tournament, I think Gonzaga will be there because I think their defense will come along. I think they have work to do on that on the floor, and I think their point guard play with Hickman and Smith will come along as well. The one thing I would say to that is – I think that what Tennessee is and the way that they want to play, it's not exactly the same style and they want some different things defensively, but it's the same kind of concept where you're going up against an older team that is going to be more athletic than you, that is going to be tougher than you, that is going to play defense every single possession and grind you down. Um, And to me, if you are Gonzaga and you have a new point guard stepping into a new role in Nolan Hickman or Hunter Salas, you have, uh, Malachi coming in and playing a little bit of a different role, playing at a different level, a, a higher level than he has in the past. Going up against like Zakai Ziegler and Josiah Jordan James and those dudes that, that Rick Barnes has at Tennessee, like that's a big ask, right? So I, I'm not super concerned about what they did offensively. That's going to come around. I think those guys are too talented. I'm just never convinced that a team with Drew Timmy at the five is going to be at that level defensively where you you can be anything less than like the uber elite on the offensive end of the floor. Does that make sense? Like I, when yeah. it comes to Houston, the way that they defend and the way that rebound, they always have a floor. They're always going to be like a certain level of good, which is why they can lose Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark and still find a way to they get to the elite eight last year. They finished number two in Kempom after losing their two best scores. That's why it becomes a program that is just the next guy up because they're always going to defend. They're always going to rebound. You're going to get extra shots. You're going to get easy baskets off the glass and you're not going to give up easy baskets to the other end of the floor. Gonzaga is a team like they, they just got to get like 90 or 95 to beat good teams. And I don't know that they're going to be able to do that every single night. That's, that's a lot. That's, that's a big ask out of a program like that. So that's why I would tend to lean Houston in this spot. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Hey, to your point with Houston, Houston has finished top three in college basketball in each of the last three seasons in offensive rebounding rate. Mm -hmm. On the defensive side of the basketball, they were first uh, among – I still package them in the power conference teams in in scoring defense, and they were third overall, allowing just over 58 points per game. You're so right on that, Rob, and I think Coach and and Kevin, that's the point to spring off of with the Cougars. Like, there's a certain level. They're always going to hit defensively and on the glass. And now you think about the fact that they have Marcus Sasser back, that Jamal Sheed really came on more and more as a distributor last year. Sheed's one of the best in the country at setting guys up. That if this team is hitting perimeter shots, I I don't see 
how there's much of any holes in, on Kelvin Sampson's group. I do have some questions, Kevin, with the play at the five, just because they're going to have guys, Reggie Chaney and company, take on an increased role. They, they had some key losses at the five slot. And I think one of the most fascinating freshmen in America belongs on the Houston Cougars and Jarris Walker. I'm excited about Jarris. I think the thing for me that really popped when I saw him last winter was, I mean, first of all, he's, you know, chiseled and built like, you know, he could play defensive line right now, but also he's, uh, his motor was really, really good. And, and that's the one thing that is the bare minimum with Kelvin Sampson is you have to play unbelievably hard. And I think that would be the first thing for a lot of freshmen to try to figure out. And I don't think he's going to have to go through that learning curve because I think he's going to play really hard. I think they're going to be able to use him in a variety of ways because he's a lot more skilled offensively than a lot of the fours and fives that they've had. Right. You think about, uh, you know, some of the kids they've had, like uh, Justin Gorham was the four on their final 14. He was a great rebounder, one of the best in the country, but he was not someone you were really scared of offensively. Jarris has a little bit of ability to make jump shots, score in the mid-range. Like, I think they're going to have a little bit of a different element offensively at the four spot than they've had. At the five, I mean, look, Carlton was great for them last year, but Josh Carlton was not a superstar before he got to Houston. Kelvin Sampson makes We all saw him at UConn, man. Like, we all saw that dude at UConn. Josh Carlton was kind of what he was. Right. <laughs> like, Kelvin makes stars at that five spot. So, I think Reggie Chaney uh, will, will help them there. I think – um, some of the younger guys they have at that spot will, will contribute as well. Jawan Roberts was a really good rebounder for them. I, I think they'll be fine there. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what Jarris and also Arsenault, who's more of like a three and D type, can it contribute right away? I know it's not a one and done program, but those two guys, I think, are good, a good exception to the rule. Matt, can I ask you a question? The, yeah. We, we talked about this a little bit off air, but the impact of Jarris Walker coming in as a freshman, playing a role that that you're used to seeing fourth and fifth year seniors play when you have a 19 year old in that spot that requires toughness that requires being in the right spot defensively that requires being in a certain level of uh, physical conditioning to be able to to play at that level for 20 to 25 minutes a night uh, how how long do you think it'll take for a freshman to get there or is this a kid that's just going to step in and be good enough to do it well i think you know phantom brought up a good point earlier too about jamal right I mean, 221 assists and 76 turnovers. They kind of go as he goes, and he's got a lot of different leadership qualities that those young guys are going to need him and Sasser early on in the season to help them through some of the growing pains that they're going to go through. But there's no question there'll be some of those growing pains, but they've got those types of veterans that have those leadership qualities that will really help a young, talented player like Jarris through some of those types of things. Cause like you said, they're going to need them. They're going to need them in the front court arsenal as well. Right. Because you know, you've got Traymond Mark coming off that injury as well. So you're going to have to rely on their depth a little bit here early, but you know, she's one of the best point guards in the country. His numbers prove it, but he's also got so many different intangibles that'll really help those young guys out there on the floor. Yeah, no question about it. And Kevin, we've got to discuss being in Chicago last May. I mean, you didn't buy me dinner uh, as I came to your home city, but uh, we did get treated by Marcus Sasser to some amazing basketball. And let me tell you folks, the G League elite camp gets gets held at Wintrust Arena before the NBA draft combine. So it's, it's an event where like people are sort of meandering and watching some of these players. It's kind of the, hey, maybe you get to the next round of the combine but some of these guys really struggle. They, it's a taste of reality for certain prospects. Well, Sasser 
you know, he's coming off the toe injury. So you're sitting there saying, I don't know what to expect. I, I, I don't know what you could have expected. And Kevin, we watched him in two games. And it was clear like five minutes into the first game of the elite camp that he was going to get invited to the NBA draft combine. And I'm sitting there calling the game thinking, oh, my God, the way scouts are talking about this kid, he might not come back to college with how well he's playing. Now he elects to come back. But the point is, I don't I don't think there's much of any lingering effects from that that injury. And and if he's able to stay healthy, it is is it the case? Do you believe Marcus Sasser, best player in college basketball from a guard standpoint? In the backcourt, yes. I mean, he is that good. I, I think like full stop, he would not be here if he hadn't gotten hurt last year. He would be in the NBA. He would probably be a first-round pick. If nothing else, he'd be, you know, that higher second round who gets a guarantee. I, I think without a question, without a doubt, he, he was on that trajectory. I mean, I, I remember seeing him in Vegas uh, last November, and he was just so solid. His ability to make shots, obviously, is, is, is incredible, but he can run a team too. And I think one of the things that's a, a blessing in disguise for Houston with the way last season went was it forced Houston to kind of figure out some other ways to operate on offense without Sasser on the ball, right? I mean, obviously, like, where, where Jamal Shedd was on November 20th when I was seeing him play to where he was on March 1st, it was a completely different player. His confidence, his, his understanding of the offense, his ability to, um, you know, create for himself and also to distribute. It was a complete, he was a glue guy when I saw him in November and he was a star by March. And I think, obviously, they didn't want to deal with the injury. They had to deal with the Sasser. But I think... Those two guys both grew up a whole lot from that experience. And I think now they have one of the best backcourts really in college basketball. And a couple of weeks ago, I got to sit down and talk with Marcus Sasser about life under Kelvin Sampson and what makes the Houston Cougars so damn consistently good. Here's that conversation. Marcus Sasser is back in college basketball. He is back with the Houston Cougars and he's got winning a national championship this year on his mind. And he is a field of 68 preseason All-American first team selection joining us now. Marcus, I look at your journey and, and it's fascinating because you go through the toe injury. And I remember seeing you in Chicago out at the combine and trying to go through things and, and, and trying to figure things out. What made you say, I got unfinished business at Houston. I want to run this back. Um, just, you know, before I even went out to Chicago, just, you know, seeing my guys playing in the tournament, you know, going deep, having fun, um, just seeing that experience and just, you know, just wanting to be out there with them. You know, I was there like every step, but just not going being able to go out there and actually play and compete with them. And then, you know, um, half of them coming back, you know, Jamal, Tremont, um, Reggie, Juwan, so them people coming back, knowing I get another chance to play with them, and then just the amazing coaching staff coming back for another year to develop my game, you know, under Coach Kelvin Sampson, and just the culture and just being a part of the family, so it was like a no-brainer. Take me back to Red Oak High School, coming out of there, being a three-star guy. Like From my vantage point, I think Marcus Sasser, three-star recruit, yeah. How much of a chip on your shoulder did you have coming out of high school? How much did you want to prove some of those ratings, some of those things right. wrong? And, and how much has it fit at Houston? 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, just always just keeping my head down, really. Not really worrying about rankings. Not really worried about where I was at. Um. And in Dallas, that class was really good, you know, 2019. And even in the country, that class was really good. So just, you know, always having that chip on my shoulder every time I went out there because, you know, I felt like I was one of the top players in the country, in my opinion. So just every time I stepped on the floor, that was, you know, one of my main goals, just make them remember who I was, remember my name. And then when I got to college, um, it was like the perfect system because, um, Coach Sampson didn't have a lot of, you know, five stars or, you know, big names. Well, my freshman year that I was here. So it was just, you know, a lot of people like me, really, you know, with a chip on their shoulder, you know, that plays hard, you know, that do the little things. And then just stay down there was gym rat. So it was in the gym all day. And it was just, you know, it was like everybody was feeding off each other. So you'll see one person getting better. The other person wanted to get better. And that just made the whole team wanted to get better. We thank Marcus Sasser for his time. I love catching up with him, and I loved hearing him say that practices under Kelvin Sampson are harder than games themselves, which is pretty telling of why the Cougars, over the last four years, have a record of 116 and 22. Let's turn to Gonzaga. So the Zags, 28 and 3 a year ago, going into the second week of the NCAA tournament, Eric Musselman and Arkansas stand in the Zags way, and the Razorbacks have their night and pick them off. Season ends 28-4, and four, same narrative comes out. They can't make the big tournament run. They can't get over the hump. With Drew Timmy on their team, the Zags are 90-7. and 90-7. and seven. So, Bobby D., I'm going to cue you up here. Take us on a ride on the Gonzaga Cruise. The idea that they can't win the big one is just so farcical to me. When we're talking about a team that has played in two national title games in the last five NCAA tournaments, they have been to the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Sweet 16s. Do you guys know how many other programs in college basketball have been to the last seven Sweet 16s? There, there are none, right? There are none. Do you know how many times teams have made it to seven straight Sweet 16s? It's Gonzaga and two others. It was the, the late 90s Duke team and the mid-90s North Carolina teams, right? Some of the best teams in college basketball history. So just because Nigel Williams-Goss sprained his ankle in the 2017 national title game, wasn't himself down the stretch, they ended up losing that game. 
And just because they ran into a Baylor team who were not for a COVID outbreak in the middle of February might've finished that season undefeated. Like that's the difference between these two teams that them winning a national title. So if they had won one game, one game differently, we would have viewed the entire program, their entire history and everything about Mark few and everything about Gonzaga and everything about Spokane and everything about the Zags entirety as a whole. We view them differently. If one game went differently, it's just, that's baffling to me. That's completely illogical. And I, I just, I don't get it. The Zags are one of the best programs, one of the premier programs in college basketball. And look, how many times have we seen it over the years? Jim Calhoun, Lute Olson, Bill Self, Sean Miller's a guy that's currently on this list. You are always the best who never do it until you finally do it in a setting that is one off. And Matt, you can speak to this. The college basketball national tournament, the NCAA tournament, is the absolute best way to determine a champion. And it is the absolute worst way to determine who the best team is in college basketball. And it's so frustrating to me that we can look at a team that has won 90 games in the last three years and people can say, oh, they're overrated. They suck. They stink. They don't, they're not any good. Just and completely dismiss them. Drives me crazy. Here's the thing. Back in 2014, I was an assistant coach at the University of Florida. We were the number one team in the country. We won 30 games in a row. We went 18-0 and in the SEC. We went 3-0 and in the SEC tournament. To make it 21-0 in the SEC, we beat Kentucky three times. And we ran into a buzzsaw in the Final Four that was called Shabazz Napier. And we lost, right? <laughs> so the best team doesn't always win. L- let me throw out some other numbers to you, okay? Mark Few, most consecutive tournament appearances since starting as a head coach, okay? 21 regular season titles. Is that Conference good? championships. Is that a 21 good? regular season conference. He's won the tournament 18 times. That is a difficult thing to do. Okay, conference tournaments, the excitement, the lead up, a lot of times lower seeds beat the higher seeds. They get lucky. They make a last second shot. They make 18 threes in a game. 18 times in 22 years, he has won that tournament. Okay. How about his winning percentages in league? 91%. Overall, 83. It's okay. So I, I, I don't know. I don't understand the get over the hump. Okay, he's been to the final four. To- like that makes no sense to me. Okay, that that makes zero. Like I, I just it's it's mind-boggling to me on what he has done there. And I mean, every even the great ones have had down years, right? Even the great ones have have missed the tournament here or there, or had a rebuilding year, whatever it may be. He's never had that in in all his years at Gonzaga. It's just so impressive, Kevin. I mean, we, we, we could probably spend an hour kind of singing the praises here. Like, I, I, have no, I, I have no further things to add. I was trying to find a – someone sent me a stat several days ago about Gonzaga having the most quadrant one wins in the last three years or something like that. I can't find the number, so I don't want to quote exactly. But there is, there is a number out there that indicates that Gonzaga has more quality wins than anyone else. So the idea that they can't win against great competition is absurd. There, there, there is no argument here. Gonzaga is an elite program. Eventually, they will win a national championship – it will probably be in a year where we don't expect them to win a national championship because that is the way this thing works. Um, but look, I, I, I think if you're looking for a re- like, there, there's no reason to doubt them. I mean, we, we, we talked earlier about some of the weaknesses they might have on paper this year. Maybe the guards aren't quite as good as they've been. Maybe the defense struggles a bit without having an eraser in the back end like Chet. 
Um, like those, those are possibilities. Those are reasons why they might not win it. But one of the reasons they might win it is they have an elite coach. One of the reasons they might win it is because Drew Timmy is one of the best players in college basketball in the last 20 years. Uh, they have elite talent at every spot, you know, five-star recruits and high-level transfers and experience. And like, I, I, I don't, I don't need to beat a dead horse here. They're, they're really freaking good. And it's just a matter of time before they win one. And we'll see if this is the year. You know what I can't wait for? I can't wait for that Gonzaga-Kentucky matchup that's happening in the Spokane Arena this year. You know what else I can't wait for, Fana? I can't wait. You know, this whole Gonzaga and, and Houston conversation, I can't wait for that to be a, a, a Big 12 conference matchup. <laughs> ooh, ooh, drop that one in there. Ooh. I had to. <laughs> I'll drop that one in there. For those who are saying, for those who are starting to uh, to type a tweet to Dowster saying, you are so clueless. You have no idea what you're talking about. It means that you missed the news earlier today, uh, reported by ESPN's Pete Thamel, who says that Gonzaga, their administration has been in talks with Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark about the Zags potentially joining the Big 12. Things are just in, at an exploratory level. But uh, with the Big 12 recently uh, announcing a, a new TV deal, which didn't have a whole lot to do with this, it still adds gravy. And your mark has taken over at the Big 12 and has made some major moves right on the gates, elevating that league. There's no question. The Big 12 already could be argued as college basketball's best conference. There's certainly an argument for that, what they're going to add. And if they get Gonzaga and Houston, that would be good, good luck. Good, good luck. We could have a final four every year that is Gonzaga, Houston, Kansas, and Baylor, and you would have like four top eight teams. It's ins- it's insane. And then then the next tier is like, oh, with the team coached by Chris Beard. I know the team coached by Mark Adams. I know the team coached by Mike Boyne. And Bob Huggins might finish in last place. Hall of Famer Bob Huggins. It's 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 insane. Austin, <laughs> it's let me ask you a question. Hit me. Mark Few's first year in that league. Where does he finish? Hard uh-huh. take. First year in that league. First year in that league, I will say uh, top three. Without knowing what year it is or what the roster is, I'm just going to say top three. Fair. I'll say three or four. I, I do I think that, that would be a transition. And when you step into a new league, which we're going to get to in a little bit when we talk about the Atlantic 10 and one of uh, a, a new member to that league in Loyola, Chicago, uh, th- that that would be a transition period, especially with just how difficult life in the Big 12 is, and as much as Gonzaga has a home court, there are several difficult road trips there. But let's let's take a little bit of a deeper dive on this Zags team. Julian Strother, to me, Kevin, is a, is a huge key just in what kind of a leap he takes. Double-figure scorer, six foot seven, has great length, comes off as the guy that's ready to blossom into full-on stardom. Do you sit there when you think about the, the guy that takes the next step for them? Do you go in a different avenue? I think I think it's him and Hickman, you know, for different reasons. Um, I think Hickman's probably more important to their success just because they need that stability at the point guard spot. But I think what Strother provides them is the versatility, right? I mean, their quote-unquote death lineup a couple of years ago when they went undefeated and lost to Baylor in the championship game was playing Corey Kispert at the four. And look, you did have Drew Timmy at the five. And, and as he had the same questions, would they be able to guard? But at the end of the day, they had all this shooting – around Timmy. He was unstoppable. If you played him one-on-one, he was going to score on you. Uh, and, and if you doubled the post, you were going to give up a three. Like that was just the reality when you played that group. And I think Strother's ability to play the three or the four gives him a lot of options to do similar stuff offensively. Um, so I, I think he can make a jump. I think he will. I think he's a, I think he's a 15 point a game guy this year for, for this team. Uh, and, and I think, 
I'm just going to be very curious to see how Gonzaga navigates the lineups. Do they, do we see more of that with the, with, with him as a four, or do we see them play a little bit bigger? Do they Efton Reed? They've got some of these younger guys like Caden Perry and Ben Gregg who would be playing at a whole lot of teams, including most high major teams. They would be in the rotation. Uh, and, and also Anton Watson, who's also been there forever and always has been stuck behind Timmy and will play next to Timmy at times certainly as well. So um, they've got a bit of a front court log jam that makes it maybe not quite as easy to play that small ball lineup, but I think that might wind up being their best lineup uh, by the time we get to March. Coach? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you look at guys that, that make big jumps, right? The majority of times guys make that big jump, that big leap from their freshman to their sophomore year. I think the guy that has to do it for him is Hickman, right? I think he's got to have that big jump and, really learn how to run the team and get great at running the team. Like I said, I think the wild card for him, like I mentioned earlier, Malachi Smith, you know, we talked about him earlier, averaging 20 points a game on an NCAA tournament team at Chattanooga, shot 41% from three. He's got great size, hit the game winner early on the season for Chattanooga over VCU on the road in Richmond, right? Uh, Led their team all year, led the Southern Conference in scoring how does he fit, right? Like like Kevin was talking about lineups, where are they playing guys? How do they fit a score like that in with the guys that they have coming back? And maybe that's what, you know, Coach Pugh was trying to do against Tennessee. They didn't shoot the ball great from behind the perimeter. We talked about that earlier, but kind of shuffling some lineups and moving some guys around. So they're ready for Monday night. But I think no question, it's, it, Hickman's got to take that big freshman to sophomore jump if they're going to be the elite of the elite. I, I just think they got to get stops. I think it's really just that simple. You know, I, I if you look at the pieces on their roster, there are enough guards there that have done some level of uh, proven something, whether it was being a five-star prospect in the McDonald's All-American in high school or averaging 20 for a tournament team at Chattanooga or doing what Sear Bolton has done uh, during his career in college. There are enough really good guards on this roster that I think that few is going to find a way to figure it out. Right. I think Strother is going to be able to do what he does at the four spot. You're going to have that small ball lineup. It's going to be fine. All of that's going to work itself out. Timmy's going to be Timmy. That's going to be fine. It's going to work itself out. But where, how are you getting stops with this group? When you are going up against someone like a Kentucky, or you're going up against someone like a Baylor, or you're going up against some of these teams that have NBA players up and down the roster and talent up and down the roster, how are you getting enough stops to win? And I think at the end of the day, being able to, Win games 95 to 85 in the WCC is fine. That's not going to help when, you, when you're not going to be able to put up 95 every, uh, every single night. So to me, um, if Gonzaga can find a way to be tough defensive, like that was the thing I was so promising about having Chet on that roster, is all of a sudden you had like a defensive anchor that was a shot blocker. And I know he was skinny, but that dude is yeah. a dog, right? He is tough. He's aggressive. He's going to fight you. And as much as I love Drew Timmy, that's just not like what he is. And that's not what makes him great, right? There's a reason why he's at Gonzaga and the kid from Texas is in at Houston. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, that, yeah. that is my big question with this team. And look, that is me saying that while, while also acknowledging that they are a consensus top four team. Like we're, we're, we're picking nits here, right? We're trying to figure out what is the best way or how, how to talk about this team, which is clearly a top three team, maybe even the best team in the country. Can they get those stops in those big moments when you absolutely need to get a stop? Right, because a lot of times you get beat off the bounce and you have mm-hmm. Chet Holmgren staying back there in the lane, in the paint, protecting the rim. 
you can be a little more aggressive pressuring the basketball, right? But you don't have that guy back there erasing those shots. And again, they gave up 13 threes against Tennessee. It's going to be hard to beat the beat the elite teams, giving up that many threes in a game. So I agree with you. It's where they finish, how far they go in the tournament. A lot of it's going to be dependent upon their defense. And, and just quickly, Fanta, I think the one thing I would add to is like because they don't have that rim protector, someone I think in that backcourt needs to step up and make their identity on defense and earn their minutes, right? Like Hunter mm-hmm. Salas has struggled. Hunter Salas did not look very good in, in that exhibition game. Look, he's a long athlete. He's a five-star athlete. He is, he, he can guard probably one through four at, at times. If Hunter Salas wants to get on the floor, he needs to become a stopper for this team. And, and if he embraces that or someone else could do that too. But I, I, I think of Salas as maybe a guy who could earn his money and earn Gonzaga a spot in the final four on the defensive end because someone has to step up and say, we're not letting the ball get to the rim. Because if it gets to the rim, Timmy's not swatting it away. He's not Chad. Hey, we want to remind you to get the Almanac if you haven't already. And if you haven't already, you've been living under a rock. You've got five days until college basketball season. And we previewed every single Division I team in the country. So get the Almanac now, $19.99, the link. It's in the description below. Check it out, guys, because the Almanac has you covered from head to toe. And we covered everybody across these leagues. This is the best of the rest show where we've done Gonzaga and Houston. Now is where, if you're the college hoops junkie, you've probably read the Almanac. You've probably read Kevin Sweeney ranking every single team in America from one to what, 363? That's correct. Yes, sir. Who came in at 363? Boy, that's impressive. Hartford, unfortunately. God bless the Hawks. Uh, we could talk about them and, and the move out of D1, but uh, but that would be for a discussion over some more beverages. Let's take a deeper dive, though, quickly. I want to hit on the WCC. Now, I look at BYU, and I see an addition in Rudy Williams that really intrigues me for Mark Pope's, Mark Pope's team. They've got six guys that are back, but I think that this team, what happens with the newcomers is the key for the Cougars as they're heading to the Big 12, can they make another statement in the WCC? Or do you see the St. Mary's Gales as a potential challenger in the WCC? Where do you guys see the West Coast Conference this year? And, and what can we expect beyond Gonzaga? Well, can I just jump out in front of this before uh, we get takes on BYU and St. Mary's and say there is no potential challenger to Gonzaga in the WCC. There are teams that might be able to pick them off one time, maybe someone that can knock them off in the WCC tournament, but Gonzaga's winning that league. You can book it. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I feel bad for St. Mary's and BYU, but I really feel bad for the Gales coach because St. Mary's gets overshadowed continuously in the West Coast Conference, and they have been such a consistent program. I mean, absolutely terrific, right? I mean, NCAA tournament year in, year out. And you're right, they they do get a little bit overshadowed because of what Gonzaga is doing. But um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, something I thought was interesting last year too, right? Like Mark Pope and BYU, they got off to a great start. They started off the season, I think, 17-4. and And they showed that they're fully capable of winning and winning at a high level. Now, they kind of went the other way down the stretch. I think they were five and six their their last 11 games. So, hey, what did we learn? What did we learn these last 11 games? What were the things that we were doing well early on in the season that got us off to such a great start? 
And then where did things kind of turn for us down the stretch? And if they can put into place those positive things that they learned during that difficult stretch of facing adversity late in the season, man, they could they could be an NCAA tournament team come March, no question about it. Kevin, I'm going to miss watching Tommy Cousy. Yes, I mean, he was so fun. And a great story, too, coming from being a walk-on to – you know, one of the best players in the WCC, one of the best mid-major players in the country. And that's the one question spot for St. Mary's. You know, their two through five is really good. Logan Johnson finally put it together offensively, but they need one of Augustus Marshallonis and Aiden Mahaney, who was hyped up. I know in the Almanac, they're very excited that the uh, WCC preview was very uh, in on him, potentially making a jump, maybe being the starting point guard for this team. So they've got a question at that spot. If, if, if they get solid point guard play, I think they're going to find their way to the NCAA tournament once so, again. So much about of what Randy Bennett does is like putting guys in ball screens and letting them go make a play. If you just look right. through over the years, Mickey McConnell, uh, Patty Mills, uh, Matthew Delavdova, like it just, there's just a constant stream of really, really good point guards. Most of them coming over from Australia and finding a way to get it done here. Uh, but I, I just, if you have a freshman in that spot, like that's to me, that's, that's, that's a big ask to ask him to step in and, and fill the void that you're going to have at that in such an important role. Uh, not just in, you know, for St. Mary or not just in college basketball in general, but for this St. Mary's team and the program, the system they run. Hey, I'm going to tell you, remember the name, America, Mitchell Saxon. He looks poised to be that next big in Randy Bennett's system, and people do not take into full account. Hey, you might have lost some, and you guys said it with Kuzi. That's a big loss, but two through fives there. What they did to Indiana in the NCAA tournament last year, that was a beat down and a half for that program so we'll see we'll see what happens uh, after Gonzaga in the WCC but the way that that league has made progress will be interesting to see what the future of that league holds both with Gonzaga entertaining thoughts and offers it, it feels like it's only a matter of time until Gonzaga moves on but there's other quality programs in that league and what the future holds there hey we're going to transition now back to the American because they are the program that has one of the very best and most passionate fan bases, whether you love them, you hate them, the Memphis Tigers always draw eyeballs. And guys, for a team that has been incredibly turnover prone, that has been filled with some drama, I see Sweeney nodding his head. Welcome, Hendrick Davis. It's the best guard that Penny Hardaway's gotten to deal with and he knows this league better than anybody. Kendrick Davis, the ball's going to be in his hands. And with that, Memphis, how, how will they be this season? I, I think they're going to be really, really good. I want to make a point real quick. So the last couple seasons, what Penny has really leaned into is this concept of getting the five-star, one-and-done superstar, James Wiseman, DJ Jeffries, uh, Jalen Duran, Amani Bates. He's been really targeting guys like that. He, he just completely went away from that this year. They have five guys in their starting lineup that are going to be fifth-year seniors. DeAndre Williams is older than half of the people that are currently on this show right now. Okay, do people understand DeAndre Williams is like 26 years old? He's listed as a fifth-year senior on the roster. That's bullshit. He's like an eighth-year senior. He's been around forever. He's the oldest dude that's ever played college basketball in the history of college basketball. Not only that, their top four guys on the bench are all fifth-year seniors as well. They have two players that are going to play that are underclassmen. One of them is a freshman that probably isn't going to get many minutes. The other one is a Lawson. If you know anything about Memphis, you know there's 27 Lawsons from that city that are going to that program because <laughs> the that's associated with it, right? 
They are so old. They are they are really tough. And I think that this is going to be a team that leans into this idea of we're gonna we're gonna beat you up. We're gonna be more physical than you. We're gonna get, we're gonna get stops. And now you know we have a top ten player in the country and Kendrick Davis. Is that too high? Top fifteen player one of the best point guards in college basketball, they're going to be better than people realize. And I don't have the stat in front of me. Sweeney, you might have it. Whatever, Whenever DeAndre Williams plays for Memphis, they win or they cover. Like that, I, Betting on him last year, anytime he was playing, you bet on him. Anytime he wasn't playing, you bet against him. It was that simple. I think the one thing, too, with Memphis, like so many of their struggles early in seasons has been – there, there was no role allocation. Like they, there were six guys who were all highly rated recruits or they were top transfers and they didn't know where it was going to fit. And like this team is probably one of the least talented Memphis teams that they've had, but the role allocation is really clear. Ball screens with Davis and Williams, you know, Kennedy off the ball who can make shots, a really physical, tough center in Dandridge who's been around that program for a long time. and can be that kind of defensive edge. Like this, this isn't going to be rocket science. So I, I, I think the only thing that maybe holds them back from being truly elite is that I don't think they have elite talent outside of their top two or three guys, but that top two or three is enough to be a clear NCAA tournament team in my mind. I don't think they're going to have the same early season struggles that they've had because it's old guys, as, as Rob said, and it's also role allocation that I just think makes sense and it hasn't made sense the last couple of years. Well, I think Rob said it too now. They're older, they're tougher. Uh, hopefully that gives them their identity on defense. I mean, they were 138th in the country last year in total total defense. They've got to have something to hang their hat on on that end of the floor. Circle this game, okay? November 15th at St. Louis. That is a big early season test for Memphis, okay? Uh, you could almost go as far as to say is – well, there's no question St. Louis is going to be favored in that game, okay? It's at home. The place will be sold out, be an unbelievable crowd. I know we're going to get into St. Louis here in a little bit, but, man, that's a huge, huge early season test on the road for the Memphis Tigers to, to test out that new identity that they've got to have on the defensive end of the yeah. floor. They challenge themselves in the non-conference this year. They, they do. They got Vanderbilt, who's going to be better than people realize. They're playing at St. Louis. Uh, they get VCU at home, another game that's going to be – if you want to talk about scheduling teams that are going to be tough and physical and old, like VCU and Memphis going up against each other, like I don't think the the refs are going to wear out their whistles, right? They're not going to be able to make any noise anymore. Um, and they get Seton Hall in the uh, – I can't remember which what, which event that is. Invitational yes, in Orlando. There you go. They also play uh, – they play Ole Miss. They play Auburn. They play at Alabama. They play Texas A&M. So, like, they're going to – they're going to, they tested themselves. Right. And I think oh part God. of that is because they kind of have like a little bit of a Gonzaga WCC situation going on where, you know, if you don't beat Houston in, in AAC play, are you going to get a single quality win in AAC play? Eh, I don't know. You might not. Yeah. No, no question. We'll see if Cincinnati can take a step forward to, to close things on, on the American, uh, you know, year two of the West Miller era. Thought year one, they started strong. They were at 16 and seven, and then they ended up losing eight of their final 10 games. Now, they bring in Rob Finnessy. Uh, that wasn't the only addition that they made. It, it, it looks like that they could take a step in a better direction. It looks like they could be a top three team in this league. So, a thought on Cincinnati for whoever wants to take it. And Houston's at the top. Is Memphis firm at two? And then, and then it goes from there. Where, where do you see? Anybody else in this league, particularly the Bearcats and, and anybody else? 
Yeah, Memphis, wow. Philly at two for me. And then I like Cincinnati. Landers Nolly will help them a lot. Just his ability to shoot the basketball. A consistent score to go with the Julius. They didn't really have that second guy last year. I like them two through four with the Julius, Nolly, and Jeremiah Davenport. I think that's really strong. Their bigs will be tough and physical like any West team will have. And then Finnessy can hold down the point guard spot. Yeah, I just – you give uh, give Wes Miller a bunch of high major players and just trusting him to figure it out is kind of where I stand. I don't know about you, Matt. Yeah, I mean, Wes is a terrific coach. He's, he's I mean, what he did at Greensboro, I was in the league with him when I was at Chattanooga and just rebuilding the program to the top of the league, to the NCAA tournament, to winning conference championships. He took his time there and he did it right and it prepared him for this opportunity at Cincinnati. I think they really struggled last year in generating good shots. So hopefully Tennessee can help them generate better shots on offense. And another guy that's played in a lot of college games is Micah Adams-Woods right? Went through a coaching change. You put Micah in a pick and roll, he's got pretty good feel and can make the right uh, read coming out of the ball screen. So they've got good guard play. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see. But like you said, listen, Wes was prepared for the opportunity at Cincinnati. He did it the right way at Greensboro, built it the right way. And he's going to have that team in the tournament. No question about it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, here we go. Here we go. We're going to enter into the next phase of our Best of the Rest show, and we are going to get right to the Atlantic 10. But before we do that, I want to promote it, guys. The A-10 Insider Men's Basketball Podcast is here. The Field of 68 partnering with the Atlantic 10 this season. Conversations with coaches, a breakdown in the league. Rob Doster had a, a beautiful trip right down to George Mason. I saw that. That that was an amazing a setup there with Coach English, right? Yeah, GW coming tomorrow. We, uh, I, I sat down with, uh, with, with Chris Caputo um, at the bar that I used to work at in Washington D.C. They gave us the top floor. <laughs> got some tater tots. The I had there a couple of beers. He was, uh, he was very professional. Oh, they got some <laughs> stories at that bar, and we need to find out about they them. They do. They do. Uh, I'm sure they do. So, hey, A10 Insider Men's Basketball Podcast, check it out on the field of 68. And by the way. When you wake up tomorrow morning and you want your college hoops fixed, you wake up every morning, get the Field of 68 daily newsletter. Mike Miller and his crew are bringing it to you every single morning. Now's the time to get it, folks. We're almost at the season, so check out the Field of 68 daily. I wake up. I'm not an early riser, but when I do wake up, <laughs> I Field of 68 daily, and I, I get my fix. Sweeney woke up around 11.30 a.m. in New Orleans. He still got his Field of 68 daily. Uh, if you weren't out still, Kevin, I'm not sure what you were up to in no okay. It's the Atlantic no, 10. No comments. No comments. Right, no comments. <laughs> All right, Coach McCall. The Atlantic 10 this year, to me, is poised for a big-time campaign. Tell America why. Well, you've got to start at the top. And I don't see a ton of separation between – Dayton and St. Louis. All right. I know Deron Holmes has been getting all the preseason accolades, rightfully so. Had an unbelievable year last year for them on a team that got off to a rocky start, 
and then built it back to where they were a bubble team. They dropped a game, I think, in Tom Gola Arena late last year, which knocked them off the bubble. But they had a tremendous season with a very, very young team. I think Anthony's dealing with something different going into this season, right? Not a ton of expectations on his team last year, and now there's all sorts of expectations. But again, like we talked about with Wes Miller, Coach Grants, he's prepared for that, being a head coach at VCU, going through what he did at Dayton in his first year to then having one of the best teams in the country to then rebuilding it back. There's no question they're an NCAA tournament team. Holmes is getting a tremendous amount of credit. Colby Elvis, we're talking about Blake Nearot, Malachi Smith. But to me, the complete X factor for them is Kamara. He is a mismatch nightmare at the power forward spot in that league. You look at his numbers from last year. Okay, he had double figures in scoring. He led the team in rebounding, and he shot over 30% from three. He's big. He's physical. What do most teams nowadays do? They do it in the NBA. They do it in college. They switch pick and rolls, right? A lot of teams in college, you switch one through four. Well, when smaller guards get switched onto him, he makes them pay. That's just how big and physical he is. So, to me, he's the complete X factor. I think they've got to stay healthy. You know, Malachi Smith's got to stay healthy. What, what a jump he made last year and just consistently got better. But then you got to move on to the Billikens because Perkins is back. Mm-hmm. And going into last season, he was preseason Atlantic 10 player of the year. So now you're talking – and think about this. You've got Yuri Collins, who led the country in assists. Mm-hmm. You've got Gibson Jimerson, who not only has one of the best names in college basketball, he shot a ridiculous percentage from the three-point line. And you've got Javante Perkins, last season's preseason Atlantic 10 player of the year back. So, like, we could make a case that they got the best backcourt, not only in the Atlantic 10, but you would put that backcourt up against a lot of teams in this country. Okay? They've got Okoro. Don't don't forget about the guy. Don't forget about the guy that transferred in from Missouri after averaging 11 points in the SEC last season, Javon Pickett. Don't forget about my man, Fred Thatch. Fred, you talk about glue guys that hold it all together, Matt. That's Fred Thatch. Hargrove. Don't forget about him. Don't forget about him. Those guys. To me, Travis Ford's biggest issue is going to be having minutes for all these guys and the chemistry in the locker room. I don't see a weakness there. I think they've got depth, they've got shooting. They've got size. They've got toughness. They've got physicality. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with those two teams because I think clearly they're above everybody else. But, man, as long as they both stay healthy in in St. Louis, like where is Javante at coming off the knee injury? Is he 100% healthy? Does he feel 100% healthy? When you go through sometimes an injury like that and you've got that first plant, you've got that first move, you go down a lane and try to take off on somebody – Sometimes your brain will mess with you a little bit. So if if St. Louis is healthy, and again, that Memphis game, basically two weeks from now, what a game that we're all going to be tuned in on watching that and see how that plays out. But, man, I I just don't see any weakness with with St. Louis. I I think that they're going to be the best team in the the conference this year. I think that they're going to win the league. Because for all the reasons you just mentioned, but they can play that small ball lineup. They can play four guards. And they're going to have people that can guard, like, up. Right. Like Javante Perkins is big enough where you don't want him guarding the bigger 
fours in college basketball, but he, he's not going to get pushed around. If you need someone yeah. that's going to be out there, get a little bit more physical, you get Fred Thatch out there, right? They've been, uh, they're very high on the, the Forrester kid off the bench too. Off so Indiana transfer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I love teams that have really good guards. I love teams that have multiple scoring weapons on the perimeter. And I love teams that can do that four around one thing. And that's, they can do all of that stuff. They're, they're going to be I, I just, really good. They're yeah. tough. They're all, they, they check all the boxes. I just think Coach Ford's biggest issue is going to be, you know, is everyone going to be accepting of their role? Because there's a lot of guys that want minutes, going to need, think, feel like they deserve minutes. I know that's being played out in practice right now, but he does have the depth. Is he going to go nine or ten deep? Is that, you know, do, are certain guys that, you know, Yuri Collins, you know, went, is he going to go from playing 38 minutes a game to 30? I, I don't know. Is that what's best for their team? Coach Ford will figure that out. But to me, that's that's going to be the biggest challenge for this team. You know what cures a lot of those ills? Winning. Winning. They're going to win a lot of games to make things a little bit easier. And you know who won a lot of games in the Missouri? Valley? Well, the Loyola <laughs> Chicago Ramblers have won a lot of games. And now they come in the Atlantic 10. You think about the top of the Atlantic 10, how scary it is. And we haven't even talked about VCU, who has Ace Baldwin, who's a killer. Mm-hmm. And now you add in Loyola Chicago. You want to talk about making an addition. This isn't just, oh, conference realignment, reconfiguration, you know, add for the sake of adding. Kevin Sweeney, what does Loyola Chicago bring the table? And I'm curious, who's this going to be harder on? The rest of the league trying to figure out the Ramblers or the Ramblers trying to figure their way through the rest of this conference this year? Well, I think it's going to be a great, great marriage for, for both sides. I think one of the things that I think works really well in their favor is that the direction that Drew is taking this program is much more kind of pace and space, skill, athleticism. Whereas with, with Porter, like that was a team that wanted to grind you out, right? Like they were playing Missouri Valley basketball. Porter Mosier was Missouri Valley basketball defensively. They're not the Loyola is not going to guard, but they're going to play, I think, a little bit more of a free flowing style of game. They're not going to try to beat you 53 to 49 anymore. Like they're ready for that jump and, and they're bigger and more athletic than they've been. Like I was at practice on Friday. They are, they are more athletic and more talented than they've been when they went to Sweet 16s and Final Fours. It's going to take them time. It's crazy because- to think about that, by the way, because of, they lost the Uguat kid. They lost the uh, um, I'm blanking on his Williamson. name. Williamson. Yeah. yeah, they lost Williamson. Like they, they, they lost, lost guys that are seniors. like six, yes. six rotation seniors. They're they're. It is going to take them time because not everyone knows the terminology, you know, left and right, and is is locked in and like the culture and this and that. Like it's going to take them a little bit of time to get to where the Loyola standard is. But the good thing for them this year is they have two senior guards and Braden Norris and Marquise Kennedy, who are really, really good. They have a senior center coming down in Bryce Golden, who's played in the big East and started in the big East. And then that gives time for some of these younger talents, like Phil Alston, who's a D2 kid. who's really ta- the most talented kid in the program. Jalen Quinn is a freshman. who's going to play a lot. St. Thomas is a sophomore. Um, so I, I think Loyola will be in very good shape. It might take them a little time, but they're going to be in the mix in that top three to four in that league. Um, I think by the end of the season. Matt, I want to ask you a question because I think that in addition to Dayton and St. Louis, I would say VCU, Davidson, Richmond, Mason, and Loyola all in theory are going to have teams that are good enough to make the NCAA tournament. One, do you think that that's that's a crazy statement that I just made? And two, how important now does it become, okay, we got to get our shit done in non-conference so that during league play, our, the, our records and our computer numbers and our power rankings on, on our net and all of that good stuff looks good enough so that there aren't just a ton of like those 
those heavyweight losses, like the th- sub 300 losses on your resume. You can't you can't lose those bad games in this league. I mean, every single year at league meetings, Bernadette McGlade, you know, the A-10s commissioner, you know, how are we building – how is everybody building their schedules, right? And the coaches' whole things were always, well, we got to build a schedule based on the team that we had, and you can't lose bad games that are on your schedule. But I think you look at those top two, and then I think you got – anybody could be in that next tier, right? A team that nobody's talked about, which is crazy to me, and I know they lost everyone. They lost 99% of their scoring. And some of you guys may say, think I'm nuts and I'm going to say this, okay? But St. Bonaventure, in 2018, they won a game in the NCAA tournament with Mobley and Jalen Adams. And both those two guys averaged 20 points per game. The very next year, Kyle Lofton and Osun Suni were freshmen. They won 18 games and finished fourth in the Atlantic 10. So never, ever, ever count out Mark Schmidt. Me and you were talking. One of my favorite stat. Here's my favorite stat in college basketball. Sorry to cut you off. My favorite stat is that St. Bonaventure returns four points and two rebounds from last season. This is not, that's not average. Doesn't matter. Return a total of four points and two rebounds from last season. Doesn't matter. Roster. That is, that's an incredible stat. It doesn't Doesn't matter. It doesn't, (laughs) doesn't matter. In the middle of the night, if there's a snowstorm in Olean and you were out on the streets, Mark Schmidt would kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, but me, me and you were talking about this before the show, right? Like the Atlantic 10 is a basketball league. Yes. And there's so many different styles of play that you have to be prepared for night in and night out. You've got VCU that's pressing, that's athletic. They're long. They're going to trap. They're going to run around. You've got – Dayton and Anthony's system and ball screens and different things like that. You got to travel up to Olean, New York, and as a head coach, you're 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 petrified because you got nineteen thousand different sets. You got to try to remember that Mark Schmidt's running on the other side of the ball. You've got motion with Davidson. You've got Princeton with Richmond. It's crazy just the level of coaching in that league, but it is a basketball league, and it's going to be another great year for the league and. Man, really, really excited to, to see how they do in the non-conference, especially those guys that are at the top there because they both have very challenging schedules. You know what the Bonnies need to do to reach that next level? They can be a Final Four team, I think, if Woj just sets up an NIL collective. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably have a good time doing that. and uh, No question. They'd be printing money in only. No uh, question. All right, we are starting to wind down here. It's hard to believe an hour has flown by here on the best – of the rest robert is this where do we go next in in our season previews or is this the capper we need uh we have the all-american show is coming tomorrow night and who's Are we gonna do the mountain west we haven't done the mountain west yet I, i'm getting there i was I'm just sorry i'm sorry my bad <laughs> rob is just so excited to talk about the mountain west he couldn't He's wait so excited i've never been more excited about the aztecs i can tell you that much david leday second team all-american book it Matt Bradley. A10 Mountain West, Mountain West Challenge. A10 Mountain, Mountain West Challenge coming up, too. Oh, there you, you go. About, you think about Matt Bradley. You think about Nathan Mensa. You think about Jaden Lede and what he's going to bring to the table. You got it right that time. San Diego State <laughs> is stacked. Stacked. How far can they go, Bobby D? Oh, man. So I think that they're probably like a top 20-ish kind of a team. I'm not 100% convinced 
that they're going to be good enough on the offensive end to really trust them to win against top 10 teams. Right. Um, but I do think that with the way that they defend, Nathan Mensah is a monster. Like I don't, for people that haven't seen him play, like he is as good of a defensive five as you're going to find in college basketball. He can switch everything. He blocks stuff at the rim. Um, he can move his feet for someone that's, what is he like six ten and two thirds? Like he's, he is a very, very, very good defensive center. And as long as he's on the roster, then you just know that they're going to be like a top 10 defense on Ken Palm at the end of the day. I think it kind of comes down to, you know, what is the impact that Jaden Lede has? How, well does the adjustment for Darian Trammell coming up from um, where he was at Seattle, right? Like his, his, his adjustment going from the whack to the mountain West, is it going to translate? Is he going to be a guy that can average? I don't think he's going to get 17 to five, but can he be like a 12 and four kind of a player um, at the bigger level? I, I think he's listed at five ten. Do you guys believe he's five ten? Cause I don't, I think that might be uh you know, he's 5'10 in, uh, in sneakers with two pairs of socks on. So they're going to be good. Like I, I think that they're the class of the conference. I just don't think that they are, as good as we've seen San Diego State teams in the past. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, th- I think that, uh, again, they're, they're always going to be – they're going to hang their hat on their defense. They're always going to be terrific on that end of the floor. You know, six of their out of their nine losses last year, they didn't score over 58 points. And one of those losses, they scored 37. So, you know, where is the offense coming from? You know, I think that, that cost them in the NCAA tournament. Right. They only scored 25 points in the second half against Creighton. So uh, I think Darren Trammell, he led the league in assists, I believe, 17 a game and led the league in assists. Obviously, he's going to help on that end of the floor, but it always starts and ends with them defensively. But when they get into a game where they've got to rely on their offense, some, you know, where is that coming from and can it can they get it on a consistent basis? We'll see him in Maui with that loaded field. Right. I, th- I think they're oh, open. Yeah, I think it's Ohio state and, but you know, they could get Creighton there. They could get Arkansas there. They could get Texas tech there. Like we're going to learn early if this team can hang with the big dogs for sure. Yeah. Let's turn to the rest of the mountain West. Where do you angle off to with that league? I think it's Wyoming. Um, I like Colorado state a lot. I can, I'll mention them in a second. I just think Wyoming, they have two elite players and they just, they just put you in a tough matchup where you can't guard Grammy K or Hunter Mellon on a one-on-one in the post. And so it's not always going to be pretty. They're just going to walk you down onto the block and they're going to decide, okay, like who are you going to send a double today? And if you're not going to send a double, we're just going to swing it around and shoot the ball. And they added Jake Kyman from UCLA, who I think is a perfect fit for them because that was the one thing he could always do there was shoot. He wasn't quite good enough at everything else to get on the floor consistently for Mick Cronin, but he's a great shooter and he's going to be a problem in that league with those two dudes passing him the ball. Uh, Odin's really good athletically. Agbang Polo was a rotation player at USC. He'll help them as well. Uh, so I think Wyoming's got a very good chance to be an outlarge team again. They should be a little bit better, I think, even than they were a season ago. Colorado State should take a step back without David Roddy. Uh, and but but I thought they had a real chance to be in that at-large conversation still until they lost Isaiah Stevens. He's got a broken foot. Um, it sounds like they're hoping he can be back for conference play, the start of conference play, so around the new year. Uh, and, and if he is, I think they're gonna have a great chance to be in that top tier in the league because. I, I, Nico Medved runs awesome stuff offensively. Um, they're super excited about the Division II kid they brought in up front, Pat Cartier, who's like a super um, like steady post presence who can score on the block, great with angles. I'm not like going to blow you away athletically, but really solid. Um, they just need really consistent scoring from John Tanjay, who was their third scorer last year. He's got to be an every night 15 a game guy, not a 31 night and six the next type of guy. 
Can I give you a stat? I, I mentioned this off the air, Sweeney. Um, Wyoming last season had 28.6% of their offensive possessions end in a post-up. And to put that in context, the Purdue team in 2017 that had Isaac Haas at the five and Caleb Swanigan at the four, that team had 22.5% of their possessions end in post-ups. So that's that's how much Wyoming is going to throw the ball on the block and make you guard Grand, Graham E.K. and Hunter Maldonado. They are they are uh, running the uh, running basketball back forty years, and it's working, man, and it's working. They they're they're probably going to be a tournament team again, right? Is that fair? Yeah, that, that has to be the expectation. I mean, it, 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 like, and again, it, it's not the prettiest style of basketball, but like, the, for, first of all, the ability for E.K. to just like hang in the game for thirty minutes a night when you're playing at crazy altitude over 7,000 feet of altitude, like that, that is a tough place to play as it is. That's impressive uh, in itself. And like, yeah, EK six, nine and, and he's running down the block and catching every possession. It's unbelievable. They're fun. They're oh. it's a unique style, but it's, it's, it, it works without question. Look, he's, he's that league's best pro prospect, right? He was in the almanac. Mm-hmm. Almanac player. Yeah. 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 I, look, uh, look, Mountain West, it was a tough march. I mean, there's no question about it. They, they they weren't able to perform. And that's why, like to your point, Rob, I'm with you. I don't know if this is one of San Diego State's best teams when you compare them to some of the other teams, what could have been that COVID season. By the same token, I think it's very, very important here that San Diego State can, can carry some of the mantle for the league and, and be able to deliver – come NCAA tournament time, because this league is, is they're, they're not going to send four teams to the NCAA tournament again, but they do have. Could. A- they could. The, the, the one thing that I would say about the league is that they would be able to, I think the the number is probably three is the most likely one, but I, I do think that there are enough good teams, good coaches and, and people that understand how to game, uh, game the, the metrics that makes sense. And lest we forget nobody, Nobody can ever count out a Timmy Miles coached basketball team down at San Jose State. <laughs> you get paid if you name drop field him. Of, field of 68 alum. I got to shout him out, man. I'm Anything can happen go. in three days in March. Three days in March. Anything can happen. Yes. Anything can happen. Again. All mm-hmm. right. All right. It's after 9 Eastern time, but it is well before midnight. And Cinderella is out there somewhere. Out there somewhere. Waiting to hear her name called, Coach McCall. Who? Oh, I gotta go first. <laughs> oh, absolutely! You're the real. Uh, the new. You're sending the new guy first. Absolutely, I am. Who? Okay. Who is wearing Cinderella's slipper? Well, I'm not gonna pick UAB because I think everybody on this call would probably say UAB, right? So I'm gonna go outside the box a little bit here. Let's talk about a team in Drake, okay? Went 25-11 and last year. Coach Devries has won 95 games over a four-year period. His son is on the team, led the team in scoring last year, and they're talking about the point guard, Roman Penn, is the favorite to win player of the year in the league. So I'm going to pick Drake. Okay, uh, they got Tom Ostrom, a veteran assistant coach, back on staff there. Um, I like them to make a run come March. Kevin, 
Man, it, it is hard. Uh, I, I I think the great thing is, right, like all the, the, the predictable teams are never the ones that do it, right? I mean, last year, St. Peter's wasn't even the pick of the MAC. I mean, Oral Roberts wasn't the pick in the Summit two years ago. So it's not going to be the teams we pick. But but look, I, I think – It's not going to be the teams a, you pick. It's going to be the team I pick. Okay, Rob. <laughs> uh, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for North Texas and Grant McCaslin. I think they've been forgotten about in the offseason yet again because of all the star power at UAB, the star power at West Kentucky. North Texas is going to be a problem again. I mean, they are great defensively. They always are. Um, they're going to grind you out offensively, but they run really, really good stuff. And they have you know experience at point guard in, in Tyler Perry. And look, uh, a couple of years ago, they brought back a senior point guard in Javion Hamlet and they went and beat Purdue in the NCAA tournament. They had kind of they had tasted it the previous year, and they got over the hump and won an NCAA tournament game. I think it's going to be very similar this year. I, I think this team wins a tournament game because Perry is outstanding uh, at, at that point guard spot. They brought in some glue guys who I think will help them, and you know they're really going to guard. North Texas you know, has you, 20 plus games in four of the last five years as well. Matt? Grant McCaslin, he, he's won 20 games every single year as a head coach outside of one, and that was the COVID year. And that was the year they went to the NCAA tournament. So every single year he's been a a head coach, he's won 20-plus games. So hard to count them out, no question about it. Let me ask you guys guys a question. Oh, boy. When it comes to the best coaches in in tournament settings, how many many guys are you going to put above Rick Pitino? How yeah, many people old. are you going to look at and say, they, I, I trust them in a game where all you have to do is line up five on five, put together a game plan and find a way to win. How many people on this planet are you going to pick against Rick Pitino with? He's got Nelly Jr. Joseph back. He's got Quinn Slazinski back. That's all I need to know. Remember, the year that Alabama had their best team, when, when they were the two seed, when Herb Jones was the SEC player of the year and SEC defensive player of the year, when we all thought they were going to be a Final Four team and then Herb Jones graduated and ended up being this big impact guy with the New Orleans Pelicans, when everybody loved Alabama, I own almost beat him in the first round as a 15 seed. That's all I'm going to say. We're sitting here and we forget that there is a Hall of Famer in New Rochelle, New York, Fanta, that's like that's like a, a train ride away from you. And everybody's just sitting here pretending like Rick Pitino was not one of the greatest to ever do it. So that's my pick. And you and, know what? Right. I'm not going to be wrong. Summary, if you want a summary of just how crazy March basketball is, Rick Pitino is arguably the best tournament coach of all time. We're, we're, I'm with you there. Um, Rick Pitino went into the MAC tournament last year as the number one seed, the clear favorite. He lost in the quarterfinals to the eight seed Kevin Baggett's rider team. Kevin Baggett had never won a Mac quarterfinal game. That was his one holdup. He had lost like eight consecutive Mac quarterfinals as like a two and a three seed. They were competitive year. Last year, they're the eight seed. They they beat Iona in the first game. That's why this thing is unbelievable to predict. Is that the that, game, that, game, that game was rigged. It was the, the NCAA paid off the refs to be able to get them because uh, they didn't want Rick Patino making a run with all that stuff hanging over his head. And you, if you don't think that everybody in, that's associated with that Iona program has not been hearing about that loss since back in March, <laughs> you're out of your mind. That's exactly what it is. They're going to make the greatest run in mid-major history just because everyone's like, I cannot stand listening to this I guy anymore. <laughs> He's got to shut up. Ladies and gentlemen, my Cinderella eats Maction for dinner. My Cinderella has been the bridesmaid. And this year, they're going to win the Mid-American Conference Tournament. Todd Kowalsik and Toledo are going to go dancing, and they're going to beat somebody in 
a 413 or 512 game. Toledo is my Cinderella. The Rockets have four starters back from a 26 win team that won the MAC regular season title. You bring back four starters, you won 26 games. I'm looking at you, Cedric Milner. I'm looking at you, JT Shoemate. I'm looking at you, Ray J. Dennis. Great name, star point guard. The Rockets of Toledo. Rock it up, baby. I've got a heart on for Toledo. <laughs> I am all in. I am all in. Like your dog when they're looking down the street. I am all in on the Rockets of Toledo. Speechless. Are we still live? <laughs> yes. Yes, we're still live. Take it home, Fanta. You got to take it yeah, home. You got it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so my friend. Rock it up, baby. I'm going all in on the MAC champions, and I think they're going to this time actually win the MAC tournament. And look, when in down the tournament, the Mid American has pulled off some great wins over the years, right? Great wins over the years. So I'm going to go with them here. Again, Ohio from a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I like the way that Toledo's made up. You guys are trying to keep a straight face, and it's 9.30. It's probably time for us to go because Dagan Hughes, I don't know what the Philly score is, but he's got a Phillies game to watch. Hey, thanks to all of you for watching. Best of the rest. If you hung on this late, we hope you made we made you laugh. For Coach McCall, for CBB Central, for Robert Doster, I'm John Fantas saying we are five nights away, folks. Five nights away from Jelly Walker in your living For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.